everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Greetings from North Carolina, and happy uh, 4th of July. My name is Nate Stratman. For those of you that who, who I have not met, um, I served on staff probably four years ago, or about four years ago, First Press sent us, our family, to plant a church in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so we are huge fans of First Press, and I'm really grateful that uh, Pastor Tim invited me to preach in this series called I've Come to Believe. And I realize I'm, I'm the closer. So this is the end of the series, and I'm the closer. So if you think baseball, it's like it's like Coach McConnell was uh, looking deep in the bullpen, and he allowed me to come and be the closer. No pressure at all. You know, it's the closer who could really lose the game. Um, and so I'm thinking, Coach McConnell, are you sure you want Nate Stratman to preach in this series? Uh, but I'm excited about it because the text that, that Tim chose uh, really – preaches for itself. It doesn't need my help, as uh, you all have been in Romans. This is Romans chapter 8. And so in reality, the pressure is off of me, uh, and I'm just honored to be able to preach and to be with y'all at a distance and to really look through this incredible piece of scripture in uh, Romans chapter 8. So let us pray, and then we will get into the text. So pray with me. Lord God, I am so honored and grateful for the deep history of First Press and being able to share your good word and gospel uh, in this way, in these kind of strange days. And I just pray, God, that you would be glorified. God, I, that um, I would do nothing to be of distraction to what you're trying to say to us, to your people, and that your words would speak me, Lord Jesus. And so I just pray that I would be able to shine a flashlight on some of the most incredible text in the New Testament. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at uh, Romans 8, 31, um, all the way through 39. So here's where Paul starts after making these incredible claims about Jesus he starts with these questions. There's actually seven questions. And he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, here's this great statement from Paul, this great proclamation. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it probably, you've probably figured this out by looking at the book of Romans, but uh, it's a theological masterpiece. The first part of Romans is uh, it's doctrine. It's like you're in the classroom and Paul is laying out this incredible framework to gather or to grasp God's grace. And the second part of it is really application as it moves into the neighborhood. And chapter 8, the, the section I just read from, is really the, the pinnacle or the climax of, of Paul's letter to Rome. And here's kind of the way I see it. It's almost like it's a locker room speech. It's like Paul is in the locker room with these athletes, with his team, and it's Rome. And he's encouraging them, and he's getting ready to send them out on the field to do what God has called them to do. And so kind of like Coach Paul with his hands on his knees saying these powerful words and what's at the core of his message. And what's at the core of his message is this idea that we belong to Jesus. And I want to say that for some of us, like, of course, I belong to Jesus, but I'm not so sure that we live in such a way and think and breathe and believe in such a way that we truly believe that we belong to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to dive into today as, as Paul leads us into this idea of belonging. Um, it got me thinking uh, recently about, uh, the. I wish you all could see the closet I had in high school. So I went through all these phases, middle school, high school, and college. Maybe some of you went through similar phases, but if there were some artifacts from each kind of phase of my life, it would be fascinating uh, as I kind of jump from one thing to the next. I remember I had these things called MC Hammer pants, and there were these big kind of balloony pants, and I'd wear a, a, a starter jacket, a black jacket with the Raiders on it, the Oakland Raiders, and that's because I wanted to be MC Hammer. I wanted to dance like him. I wanted to sing like him. I wanted to rap like him. And then it was not, not long after that, I was wearing tie-dye shirts and listening to the Grateful Dead because I was going to be a deadhead. And then that didn't last very long, and I had some boots and George Strait, and I was country, and then I went through a grunge phase. I was going to you know, be Eddie Vedder of, of Pearl Jam. Uh, and then I went through this muscle man phase and where I was working out and taking supplements because I wanted to be ripped. That didn't pan out for me. And then I, I wore silk shirts, and I don't even know what that phase was. I just wore silk shirts. I'm thinking, I don't know what happened. I was like a chameleon from one thing to the next. And so why did I do? I did it because I was longing to belong. And I really believe every human on this earth has a longing to belong. Not just teenagers, I think adults have, have the same thing. And so as we look at Romans 8, as Paul is getting into belonging, he actually is asking seven questions as he talks about uh, belonging, and he's inviting us in to the conversation. Jesus asks questions, Paul asks questions, and it's a way to invite people into the conversation. And some of the things you'll see that Paul says, like one of the questions is, if God is for us, who could be against us? And then another one is, if God spared his son for us, then don't you think he'd still be generous and give us other things as well and provide for us? And then Paul asks another question that basically to remind us that, that it was Christ who intercedes for us. And so you have to pause for a second. Because Paul has this great theology and we, we learn that we are sinners and we're guilty before a judge. But the judge that we're guilty before is also the one who intercedes for us, right? Who pays the tab. So pause there for a second. Wrap your head around those statements and then ask this question. Why would God do that? 
Why would God go to those lengths to do those things for us? And it's really because of our belovedness. The very beginning of Romans, Romans chapter 1, it starts this way. It's addressed to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. The beloved of God. That's who Paul's addressing, and that's really who God is addressing, is the beloved. And so what you look at and think through when you talk about belonging is it's the radical love of Jesus Christ that creates uh, space for us in order to belong. So belonging, I believe, is, is rooted in our belovedness, right? For God so loved the world, and so we understand that it's rooted in that belovedness. And Paul actually says this, that our belovedness of Jesus and our uh, belonging to Jesus is inseparable, right? I read that in the text. It cannot be separated. So verse 35 is that famous question. Who shall separate us from the love of of Christ. And then Paul goes on this long list and he says, should trouble or hardship or famine or war? But then I wonder if Paul was with us today, 2020, would he say uh, a virus, prejudice, politics, money? And his answer is no. Those things uh, will not separate us, right? He's claiming those things shall not separate the people of God because he says you're more than conquerors, not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror because it's Christ who resides in us and lives in us. And then this is this big crescendo, right? It builds up and Paul makes a great proclamation in verse 38. And I'm actually gonna read that again, but I'm gonna read it in a different translation. I'm gonna read it in the message and listen to what this builds up to in this proclamation that Paul is making. He starts with such strong language. He says, I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Because of the way Jesus, our master, has embraced us, called us his beloved, nothing will get between that. And, and Paul goes as far to say in Romans chapter 4, and I love this. He says, whether we live or whether we die, we belong to Jesus. Now, can you say that? Can I say that? That is a bold statement rooted in truth. Whether I'm living or whether I'm dead, I belong to Christ. And so the, the image that I often use as I think about a relationship with God is if this is God, this, this hand, and if this hand represents me, that, that God has this grip on our lives. And in our relationship, we, we have a grip, if you can say it like this, this is what it looks like. But in all honesty, there are times where Nate Stratman is kind of like this and kind of like this and sometimes even kind of like this. But this never changes. Right? The grip of God on our life never changes. It cannot be separated. And I think what, what we struggle with when we think about our relationship with God is some of our human relationships kind of feel like this. But that's not what it looks like in a relationship with God. Even if we do this, God's grip is still on us. And so here's the prayer. The prayer for me, the prayer for you, the prayer for my children, the prayer for really anyone I come into contact with is that you and I would be as convinced as Paul is about what it means to belong to God and how it's, it cannot be separated by any force or anything in this world. So the question I've been asking is, as, as we read this 
really strong text, why are Paul's words uh, about belonging so crucial right now? So to Christ followers right now, 2020, with everything that's happening in our world, why are these words so crucial and helpful? And here's the first thing. As Paul is talking to the Roman church, incredible persecution, awful persecution is right around the corner for the Roman church. And so for us, we have to ask, could a hardship be around the corner for me, for my family, for the American church? And we also have to pay attention. Many of you all remember uh, Jim Singleton, but he used to talk about um, the splitter. But he would say that by definition, Satan uh, means to divide or split. You can see Jim, you know, with his fingers. He'd say, this is what the, the evil one tries to do. All the way, you know, starting Genesis 3, the crafty serpent is trying to split between Adam and Eve, and has continued to this very day. And one of the ways I see splitting happening is theologically, meaning people will start to believe, good Christian folks will start to believe, well, maybe God really doesn't love me. Maybe his love can be separated from us. Maybe his love is conditional, right? He loves me, he loves me not. And so bad theology starts to creep in in times like this. We become deceived, and then relationships right, become split and, and churches. And there can be all this division that happens in a time of crisis. So we have to pray about that. We have, to, we have to pay attention that that can happen. But the image I have for the church, the image I have really even thinking about the early church of, of what they participated in, what they went through, is that of a, a, a tetherball. Do you remember tetherball? It, it's uh, the pole on the playground and that really hard yellow plastic ball. And I think really the name of the game is just beat the ever-living tar out of it until it wraps all the way at the top. But what I love about it is that people just start, you know, just whacking that thing, but it always stays tethered to the center. And that's what happened to the early church. They got beat all around, but they stayed tethered to Christ. And that's my encouragement right now as we think about what Paul is saying. He's saying, stay tethered to the one who stays tethered to you, right? The one who doesn't bail on you. And so pick a hardship right now. Uh, there's personal hardships. There's ones that we're all facing with a global pandemic. There's all these conversations about race and racism and prejudice. I mean, pick a hardship because there's plenty to go around. But think about this. Any hardship we face or that you might be facing personally could lead us to believe that God has abandoned us. I mean, David himself in the Psalms kind of have you left me hanging, God? And so that feeling of abandonment, it's a real feeling, but I, I think we have to remind ourselves of a theological truth, that hardships will test what you really truly believe about God's love. But here's what Paul's saying, that abandonment by Jesus Christ is not possible. It won't happen. That's not what he does. Someone maybe has done that to you. You might have felt that way by someone else, but that's not what Jesus does because his love for us cannot be separated. The second thing that I think is important for us to remember about um, belonging kind of in this season we find ourselves in is our belonging to Christ shapes our boldness for Jesus. So if you truly believe that you belong to Jesus, it actually shapes um, your boldness and, and how you're willing to live. So one example is in our church at Hope, we have a ministry that we started called Open Hands Farm, and it's predominantly been reaching out to people who've experienced deep trauma, people who've been in recovery, um, a lot of women who have come out of prostitution, and 
a lot of those women particularly have been coming to worship with us over the last several years. And I'm going to tell you, it's been a great gift. So we do a prayer time at our church because we're smaller. We can kind of do an open prayer time and take prayer requests. And in the beginning of our church, you know, the prayers were tidy and neat and, you know, like a bow wrapped on them. But when the women started coming from Open Hands Farm uh, and they participated in asking for prayer requests, it got real fast. And I loved it. But I remember one woman, she, uh, someone asked for some kind of prayer request. And it was kind of the norm. And then this woman got up and she said something like, uh, I've been in rehab and now I've been you know, sober for three or four days from meth. And I just wanted to let y'all know that. And the people in our church started clapping for her, right? And saying, yeah, and cheering for her during our prayer time. So after the service, I kind of chased her down before she could get away. And I just said, I wanted to tell her, Thank you so much uh, for just your authenticity, your honesty, being willing just to even mention past mistakes. And, and I just want to thank you for that. And she looked at me kind of like a duh look of what else, what other option do I have except to be honest? And so essentially she said something like this. She said, when all is forgiven, right? When everything has been forgiven by Jesus, there's nothing to hide. And where there's nothing to hide, she said, there's nothing really to fear. Think about that. I'm going to say that again. When you believe everything has been forgiven, there's nothing to hide. And when, where there's nothing to hide, uh, there's really nothing to fear. And so I'm thinking, she gets this belonging thing she's teaching us. She also gets freedom in Christ. The bold love of Jesus. And this is what she reminded me of that day. The bold love of Jesus requires a bold response from us. So it's not just this idea that we're in an exclusive club where we belong, but there's some kind of response. We think about our identity. You know, I was thinking about, I belong to Costco and I'm an evangelist for Costco. I love Costco. I go in there and I spend way too much money, but it doesn't shape my identity. Uh, belonging to Costco doesn't make me uh, bold. My belonging actually can easily come to an end at Costco if I don't pay my yearly uh, fees. But at best, here's what Costco does. It allows me to get 2,500 paper plates at a deeply reduced rate. But my belonging to Jesus is my identity. Um, it shapes my purpose. It shapes everything about what I do. And as you think about this, as we are in uh, Independence Day, July 4th, belonging begets freedom. Right? When you believe you truly belong to Jesus, you experience a freedom. And what's interesting is Paul writes a lot about freedom. In some of his letters, when he's writing about freedom in Christ, he's writing from jail. Right? He's writing from prison about freedom. How does Paul do that? Here's how Paul does that. Because his freedom and his belonging is not based on earthly things. Going back to Paul saying, in life and in death, right? I belong to God. And so as I've been thinking about freedom, here's what I really believe. I belong to this country, and I'm proud to belong to this country of the United States, and I experience great freedom in this country, and I honestly am grateful for that. But I belong first and foremost to Jesus Christ. It's the most free you will ever be in your life. More free than any country you can live in is to be free in Jesus. And I would say for that, if you pause, it's humbling. It's deeply humbling. 
And the last thing is essentially that this belonging that we're talking about, that Paul is talking about, it uh, shapes our behavior. And so when I say behavior, I'm not saying like putting your, you know, whether you put your elbows on the table or not. I'm talking about that it shapes our mission, our sacrifice, our serving, our showing up, our speaking up, our loving of enemies, our worship, our mentoring, our giving, our listening, our praying. All those things as Jesus followers are deeply rooted in the inseparable love of Christ. And so when you think about belonging to Jesus, it doesn't remove us from the world. I think some people see it as a holy huddle, and we're going to go over there and just do our Christian-y things. It actually doesn't remove us from the world. Here's what it does. It leads us deeper into the world with a message of grace and redemption and hope so that one day every person would know the inseparable love of God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I was looking at this journal that you all have been doing that was sent to me. And as you think about your story, your greatest story, and if you haven't done this, I encourage you to at least go to the very last page because this is what I'm going to end on. The last page is one of the greatest statements of faith, I believe, outside of Scripture. And it's the old Heidelberg Catechism. The very first question is this. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And I love just the first sentence of the answer. That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So church, first press, go in that truth with that conviction that you belong to Jesus and there is nothing that can separate. God, there are truths that we have heard our entire life. And my prayer is that this truth would sink deep because there are so many implications that if it's true that you love us in an inseparable way, that nothing can get between it, not even death, then it shapes how we worship, how we live, how we breathe, how we love, how we serve. God, we thank you for this powerful message. And may we have the conviction that Paul has when it comes to your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.